1: You want, you want to talk about a strikeout for the AVs over these last couple of days. No trades to talk about for the Avalanche after the deadline. Lars Eller is the last major move that they make. The Avs get absolutely destroyed by Dallas on the road in a very important game. And then the very next night, have a lead late against Seattle. A bad turnover ends up in the back of the net in the closing minutes of the game. They lose it in overtime. And now all of a sudden in their last three games, the abs get one of six points and that race in the central isn't looking very much in their favor anymore.
0: What a difference a week makes, right?
1: <laughs> we were so positive.
0: Yeah. So Maybe that was the problem is we were way too positive um, because yeah, it's been a uh, brutal last uh, almost week for the abs. Uh, like you said, the, on the heels of the New Jersey game, which, you can kind of take some solace in that you had used to sand and playing and maybe you can rebound against a good Dallas team with a couple of days off and then to come out and just lay the absolute egg that they did in that game was very disappointing on top of really not making a move at the trade deadline just a lot of negativity in the air right now and I'm not a fan of it not a fan of it I'll be honest with you
1: yeah there there's a lot of negativity and it just seems like that's always been the case after everything goes wrong this season after every loss it feels like there's just always the nuclear button that gets hit and everyone's just so in a bad mood all the time and everyone should be fired and here's why this team's not going to make the playoffs or why they're going to bow out early it's just it's just kind of getting like grating isn't it especially now that it's been several months of this after every loss
0: yeah it's it's brutal um I think my emotions would probably be a little bit different if we did the recording after the Dallas game, but after the Seattle game, where you're kind of just like a hope and a prayer, like the abs did not play well in either game. Like the fact they got one point out of the Seattle game was Im- impressive in the fact that Georgiev stole it for him um, because it was two lackluster efforts. Bednar said afterwards, he said the team looked fried and. After this stretch of scheduling that we kind of thought maybe the abs have worked their way through, I think we're starting to see the effects of all of those back to back games.
1: I I hope that's the reason for some of these performances is just a lot of games, but unfortunately, it's not going to get any better in terms of frequency of games because you do not have a two day break until after you play Minnesota on the 29th and you have two back to backs in that stretch. So, thankfully, the schedule, difficulty-wise, is going to lighten up. The Avs have the Sharks on the second half of a back-to-back for the Sharks, this time around at least, at home in a game that they should absolutely stop them. That game has no excuse to even be close.
0: I mean, I would love to say that, but just based off of everything I've been doing, this game's going to be a lot closer than we think. Oh, I Uh,
1: my expectation is the game's going to be closer than we think. I'm just saying the Avs need to run them out of the building in this game. That is the goal.
0: That's the goal, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I, I guess we'll get started with this episode. There, When we last talked to you guys, um, the trade deadline. We were anticipating having to do an emergency episode. Uh, as it turns out, we did not. Uh, because the only ma- move was uh, Anton Bleed got shipped out. I forgot he was even on the team. I'm going to be honest with you. Yep. Um,
1: and do that you, was the only do, move. Do you even remember who he got shipped out for? Nope. Can no you pronounce idea. his name?
0: Nope.
1: Gustav Ridal. I believe right. that is how that is said. Acquired from the New York Rangers. If you told me that was made up, I would believe you. So. Anton Bleed, no longer a member of this team. I don't think anyone's going to be shedding tears over that. But that is the only move that the Avs make after the Lars Eller deal. And this is the team that they're going to be trotting out for the rest of the season. And a lot of people saw what happened and were calling for failure. It's disappointing. I think that's a pretty fair way to put it. But I I think I missed the part where the Avs became bad. And all of a sudden, like not one of the favorites in the West still. I mean, after these last two games, it's very easy to get down on them. But at the moment, there was a lot of this is a waste of a year of the core for the Avs. I just don't think there was anything there. I think this is what we talked about for yeah. weeks, is that the Avs simply don't have a lot of assets to be moving for some of these high level guys, especially on the last day. It's not like just the abs didn't do anything. It was a very dead day. It was trade deadline week. A lot of those moves were already made. I think it's very fair to be disappointed. I think there was a couple of things that probably maybe should have been addressed. I, If I had to pick one, I really think they should have addressed the back end a little bit, especially now that Manson's missing some time. And it's been a problem with injuries on the back end all season. But I think to say that they failed, I'd, I just don't agree, honestly. Yeah.
0: I just don't know who else was out there after on Friday. <laughs> like who could you have gone and gotten Kulikov from Anaheim? That's like and the and only defense. You
1: want John Klingberg?
0: Yeah. Like John Klingberg doesn't fix your defensive problems. Um so I get why people are frustrated because it does feel like we punted on this deadline, but I, I think the to they have nothing they had nothing to trade. They had nothing. And the first round pick it was only like the 20, it was going to be the 25th or later pick. Like you're just not going to get a great player for that. Like, I think a lot of Avs fans wanted us to get like fucking Timo Meyer. it's like, there's just no way that we could get a guy like that.
1: Look at the package. The devils gave for Timo Meyer. Yeah. Like it's not the the most substantial package, but there's a lot of pieces in that. And I don't think we have a single one of those, the equivalent of that package at all. Meyer was never on the table for this team whatsoever. And it's like, we were saying there was not really a guy traded on the last day that I would say, yeah, he makes the abs better. I think the only guy that I'd be like, I wouldn't mind having him would be like Troy Stetcher who the flames traded for from Arizona. Even then like that's a bottom of the lineup kind of, but yeah.
0: I think we knew this trade deadline was going to be a, going to be a bust for the abs once Horvath and O'Reilly went off the board. Because those seem to be the two guys that the Avs wanted.
1: If Uh, if Horvat was on the board this late in the deadline instead of getting traded in late January, then I think the Avs probably would have made a push. But even still, again, the package that the Islanders gave up for Horvat, we simply do not have the ability to match. And I think it's also fair to look at this deadline as not just being like the week leading up to the deadline where you just see Jack Johnson and Lars Eller. The Avs also did get Dennis Mulgan and Matt Nieto in trades this season, just not at the deadline. They are a better team on paper than they came. They were coming into this season. Matt Nieto has been important to this team. Dennis Mulgan, clear upgrade on Dryden hunt. Who's already on his fourth team right now. And they didn't have to give up much to do it. Jack Johnson and Lars Eller, though, I think those are different conversations. We'll see how they end up playing out. But the Avs are a better team because of the trades that they've made this season. I just they don't really move too much of a needle. But they again, like we said for months leading up to this, it just really wasn't in the cards for this deadline right now.
0: No, wasn't in the cards. And like you said, those pieces they added, I think they did a pretty good job with Nieto, Morgan, Jack Johnson's looked pretty good in his return. Uh, Lars Eller still too early to tell, but the early returns, not great. Um, But I do think this team's better on paper. You just have to get fucking somewhat healthy. Yes, Like you, you just need a little bit of luck to go your way with injuries. And this team's good. I mean, we've saw seen flashes last week. We saw flashes. Uh you you had the Calgary game, you had the Winnipeg game, you had the Vegas game. And it's like, okay, yeah, this team can play really good hockey when they when they are somewhat healthy. Um, and we were talking off air, and it's become very evidently clear how important Josh Manson is to this team. And I don't think any of us were prepared for that. Because remember early in the year, he was god awful. On the PK, like him and Eric Johnson were terrible. Um, but missing Josh Manson is very large, very large.
1: Yeah. And especially you had Val Nachushkin sick against Dallas. He plays against Seattle. But the record for this team without Nachushkin in the lineup, I don't think is a coincidence whatsoever. And I don't think it's a coincidence either that Josh Manson comes back against Minnesota and the team immediately starts playing better. And they get a lot more help on the back end. And also, even just getting back to the deadline, I think we've forgotten that for the most part, the teams that make the big splashes at the deadline generally don't win. Yeah. And the Avs last year, they made some splashes and they won. And it really wasn't until Tampa started trading picks for Goudreau and Coleman and everything like that that people really even cared. Because you look at when like the Caps won the Cup in 2018, they got Michael Kempney for like nothing and nothing else. Do you even remember what the blues did at the deadline when they won the cup?
0: I've erased that year pretty much from my memory.
1: They got one guy and I I couldn't even tell you who it was. The penguins barely did much of anything at the deadline when they won back to back. It's usually the teams that addresses a simple need that goes on and does well in the playoffs as well. Not to say that's going to be the abs, but Like a team like the Rangers, just because they got Tarasenko and Kane and Mott does not automatically mean that they're going to win.
0: No, it, it doesn't. You need to have the pieces, gel. And like the Abs spent big at the deadline last year. But if you looked at both those pieces that they got, or three of those pieces that they got are still on the team today. Right. If the Abs make a big splash, they usually go for someone who has years left on a contract or is a restricted free agent that they have control over. So... It's just not in the Avs DNA to do this type of big splash at the deadline. And if we think about it too, were Josh Manson and Arturi Leckin and really that sexy of names compared to what like Kane got, Kane, O'Reilly, Horvath? Like those yeah. were solid players, but it's not like we traded for a star last year. Claude yeah, they, Drew was the star of last year. It, and that's the exactly Panthers.
1: What I was going to say. They got out in
0: the second round.
1: They got Sherratt. They got Giroux. Everyone crowned them the winners of the deadline. People say, yeah, well, the Avs had a nice little tidy deadline. They definitely addressed some needs, but they didn't get the, the big, sexy name. Like, Lekkonen could be really good there. Manson, second parody, Cogliano, I don't think people even realized that we got him. And so those teams like the Rangers and the Bruins, I mean, the Bruins might be the exception because they're just, I don't see, they don't lose ever. And now there's never
0: been a team more all in than the Boston Bruins this year.
1: (laughs) I think the Panthers were very all in last year, even though they didn't deserve it as much as the Bruins do right now, but man, those Bruins are real good. And the deadline, like I it's perfectly fair to be disappointed. I was a little disappointed when the deadline came and they announced Anton bleed was getting moved. I was like, Oh, okay. Thought we would have had something up our sleeve for this. I think it's, a worthwhile conversation with the amount of injuries that this team has had, but I just don't see it as wasting the core. And again, that move just wasn't there at this point. And it really was not there for much of this deadline for the abs to be in on a lot of those names.
0: Well, like, here's the thing, like, I get why people are frustrated, but who do we trade a first for? Like, I know people are mad. We still have that first. One. like, who would we have traded it for? <laughs> like huh? Espe- who was especially, available
1: especially at that point of the deadline <laughs> who was available that you're getting for a first round pick but and you know if they traded that first round pick for one of these guys people would have been upset anyway Correct. and it still would have been a bad trade and they wouldn't have cared that the abs addressed their depth it would be well that's too much to pay maybe earlier in the deadline they could have traded that first round pick for something what would that have been i don't really know again A lot of these trades that big trades that other teams made didn't really make a lot of sense for the Avs. I've seen a lot of people upset. We didn't get Max Domi for the same price that Lars Eller went for. I know Max Domi scored a point against us. He's now in Dallas. He did not play well in that game. He was terrible defensively and is terrible defensively. And I campaigned, maybe you get Domi, but. He's not really a fit for this. Do we
0: team. remember what he did last year with Carolina when he got traded to Carolina at the deadline?
1: Yeah. He scored <laughs> He scored some big game seven goals. Yeah, I mean, you gotta give him that, but he that was kind of it. Yeah. And again, not much of a defense guy. And the AVs don't generally like those guys.. Yep.
0: they like the 200 foot players. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it was a disappointing deadline. I don't even call it disappointing. There was just nothing available, and we kind of knew that going into the going into the deadline that it was like, unless there's something really behind the scenes that we're not seeing, it's it's just not going to happen. Yeah,
1: I think if there was one that I looked at and said, "Man, I kind of wish we did that one," I think it was Nick Bukestad who ended up going to the Oilers for a third round pick at half retained salary. So his cap with the Oilers is is less than even a minimum contract in the NHL. That's one I w- looked at like. I kind of like that for the Avs. It kind of sucks. at going to a West team, but like, what am I talking about here? Bottom line center. Yeah. Like it's just picky at that point. I'm a little disappointed. I'm not mad at the team. This is kind of unfortunately what I expected. It doesn't change my feeling about this team that again, they've had some losses lately, still believe in the team, believe it or not, as much as I'm going to rip them over the course <laughs> of the next hour, still believe in this team. I don't want that to be misconstrued. But, yeah, the deadline kind of comes and goes quietly for the Avs. And, oh, well, we we persist.
0: We persist. And it's it's. I still think that there's something in the works this offseason. I would be shocked if the Avs keep that first-round pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you, the thing about still having the first-round pick is now you still have it, and you yeah. can just do whatever you want with it, whether that is trade it or just actually use it and use that to get a hopefully pretty solid prospect hopefully with the last pick of the first round. I mean, there's usually some guys available late in the first round. This is a deeper draft than most. And you don't have prospects right now where we're talking about our most premier guy is Oscar Olauson, Sean Barons, and John Luke foodie, who would probably be three, four, five in a even middling yeah, team system. I'd, I'd say a little bit lower. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm bit being lower. optimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic about it right now, but You can just use that pick, especially if the trade was not there for you to move it. And we're probably going to be talking next deadline about, do you move that first round pick? So, especially since you don't have any seconds for the next three years.
0: The only thing that's going to be different about this year is we actually have the goaltender figured out.
1: Right. (laughs) We didn't have have to move that right off the bat.
0: That's the only thing different. But yeah, like you said, it, it was a... A bummer of a trade deadline because there wasn't much to do, but I really don't think there was anyone out there. I don't think there was anyone out there that was worth trading for. Um and we'll have to wait and see. But I, I agree with you. The, a championship team is in that locker room. Yeah. They're they're there. They just need to one get healthy and two, just figure out what the fuck they're doing sometimes. Yeah. Cause it feels like some games they just check out mentally for like 10 minutes in the game.
1: Like, did did anyone watch these games against Dallas and Seattle and come to the conclusion that these teams are just so much better than us that we can't compete with them? Or were you frustrated with the abs and how they played because, you know, they can beat these teams and they're making bad mistakes and playing sloppy hockey. If the abs don't win the cup this year, it will be their own fault because they are good enough to win, but they're making bad mistakes right now that are costing them points.
0: Yeah, very much so costing them points. Um, total sidebar. I don't know if you saw this. I just saw Alex Ovechkin's at the Golden State Warriors Los Angeles Lakers game. The fuck's going on there, man? Dude, he's packing lips full of dip, too. Have you seen that? He's,
1: just he's having a great time right now. Respect, the respect, bro. But what are they in L.A. right now? They're Yeah, they're playing the Kings tomorrow.
0: Oh, so to say, that's why. I just saw yeah, that on sports that center, big. and I'm just like, what the fuck's Alex Ovechkin doing that basketball game? He's not it's not like the big last big place big I'd guy. ever expect him to be at.
1: He's just randomly at places. Sometimes I feel like at any sporting event, it's worth it just to keep the camera on lookout for Obi. Like you just randomly, he's just, he's not like courtside. He's just like in the stands with like other people.
0: Would you like, I know Alex Ovechkin cause I've watched him. Do you think anyone in the stands knew who that was? I feel like a cu-
1: of all the hockey players on earth. I think Alex Ovechkin just from his look alone is probably one of the more recognizable ones. I feel like a couple people definitely did but for LA, especially a Lakers game, maybe like he walked past half the people. They might be like, wait, is that <laughs> wait the greatest goal scorer of all time? Just, yeah, by me. it's <laughs> also the kind of thing, like you're not expecting that him to just be like right. in line with you for popcorn.
0: Yeah, no, I, I just saw that and I was thinking, I was like, that's the most out of place I've ever seen Alex Ovechkin in my life. Um, but let's get back on track. Sorry. I had to get off topic there. Cause that just blew my mind a little bit. Um, like you were saying, the, they're, my thought process with the abs in those games is the abs lost those games more than I think the other teams deserve to win those games. Um Cause if we're being quite frank, we can just dive right into the Dallas game. It was over after the first 10 minutes of the game,
1: honestly, that the puck dropped and I just had a sinking feeling about this game. It just didn't feel right. Did it? No,
0: didn't feel right. And just, the Stars were more physical than the Avs. Um, I still think the Stars took some liberties with some Avs players, took some hits that I think a little questionable, but they're playoff-type hits. Um, if you're asking me, am I terrified of Dallas if we match up with them in the playoffs, absolutely not.
1: (laughs) Like I I just don't use the word terrified for any team other than Boston in a playoff series. Cause again, the abs can beat the stars in a playoff series. Would it be tough? And if the abs play like this, will they beat them? Fuck no, but at their best. Yeah. I think the abs can take them. I'm not worried about that.
0: Yeah. I'm not worried about that either. I really think that if, josh manson and eric johnson play this game i think it's a totally different type of defensive yeah. game because the stars just bullied the abs they they really just bullied them the entire game
1: that that was my takeaway for, especially from the early portion of the games like they were just getting their ass kicked on the ice and in the box score and in hits leconin was just getting absolutely tossed around no fault of his own but the stars were just picking on him all night long and without josh manson in the lineup who, when we played Dallas last time was a pretty significant factor on the ice. It kind of does take a lot of the wind out of the sails of this abs team. And you don't have Val Nichushkin on his birthday against his former team, which I think would have added a lot of energy, but th- this game really did kind of feel over from the beginning. You have the Robertson goal less than four minutes into the game that really set the tone and the abs really did not have an answer for much of this at all. no,
0: it it was it was uh just a pure and straight ass kicking the only good thing that came out of this game is that i haphazardly watched the last 20 minutes of it and yeah. just did some other stuff um because yeah the stars i'll give credit to the stars they played a perfect game yeah they really they, did they
1: played a really strong game they came ready to go and for them like it should have been for us one of the most important games of the season in a team that is actively chasing you down in the standings. And for the Avs, a team that you've been chasing down for more than a month at this point, the Stars played like it. The Avs just, for some reason, were not up for this game. And it's very baffling considering the game against Winnipeg, where that was a huge game. The Avs ran them out of the building. And a game against the Flames, the Avs played fantastic. A game against Vegas, the Avs played fantastic. Devils, they played very sloppy. And just for whatever reason in this game, they looked tired. They did, I don't want to say disinterested, but the attention to detail was not there. And this game, like you said, was over early. You could tell that this was going to get out of hand.
0: Yeah, your only hope was that Georgiev may be able to pull off what he did against Seattle. But I think for the first time, Georgiev had a rough game. He had a really, really rough game.
1: It was a tough combination of the defense is not giving him any help and he is just having a lot of trouble tracking that puck not every single goal that he gave up was on him but there were three shots from distance through traffic that beat him you give him one two is okay three is you gotta stop one you gotta at least stop one of these i get it's hard but you gotta track one of these pucks And it didn't help that every defenseman not named sam gerrard was abysmal in this game. Devon Tays looked really bad in this game, which is uncharacteristic for him. Like he has off nights every now and again. This was really bad from Devon Tays. The goal to me, the one that ended this game, was the third goal for Dallas. The the Joe Pavelski goal that got him off the schneid after Sam Girard made it a game again and got the abs on the board. They gave it right back to them. Tays trips himself up. Blocking that puck and then gets cooked on the outside by Rope Hintz. Gerard comes down and pinches to try to stop Hintz from getting to the net, which I think is a fine play. But Robertson at that point is wide open because Gerard's trying to cover for the mistake. And then he gives it to Pavelski, who is uncovered on his net drive by Lars Eller and Logan O'Connor. Not really anything Georgiev can do on this, but is a complete defensive breakdown that starts from a missed play by Devontae's and the lack of recovery from Eller and Logan O'Connor that just gives them a wide-open goal, where the Avs had the momentum, where Sam Girard gave them a goal. You make it a one-goal game. You survive the early storm. And that goal, even still with two whole periods left, the game was done. You knew there was no shot they were winning this game.
0: Yeah, it, it was. It was because I'm pretty sure the Avs had a pretty good chance before this goal, like, to tie the game up. Like, they were... They were pretty darn close, I believe. Um, And it it was just a brutal, brutal play for the Avs in that situation. I I get you traded for Lars Eller to be your third-line center, but breaking up Newhook, O'Connor, and Cagliano, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because that line was working really well together. And I get it. I get it you traded Lars Eller in a second-round pick and you want to make this work. But in this big of a game, I think you stick with what you know, and you go with that.
1: This is what I was concerned about with Lars Eller. But again, I want to preface that it's been three games with Lars Eller. It is too too early to judge this trade. However, in this game, this is where some of my concerns about Lars Eller surfaced. I believe if you play Eller in the correct role, which is on the fourth line with Matt Nieto and whoever else you've got down there, I think that's perfectly fine. You focus him on the penalty kill, I think he'll be fine. But I worry about his pace. And on this Pavelski goal, he's simply not fast enough to break up that play. He doesn't recognize it fast enough. And it's what I was saying about Lars. He has not had a good season in Washington so far. And even defensively, Lars Eller works best on the boards when the play is dead. When the puck is sitting there and you're all fighting for it, He'll probably end up winning that battle and make a nice play to get that puck free. But when the play's moving, he's had a lot of trouble tracking it. And over these last couple of games, team like Dallas, very good passing play. He has a he has a hard time tracking it and lost his guy on this. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, it's time to bring back the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. All you have to do, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place in a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I'm not going to pretend to be a basketball guy, but those Denver Nuggets, they're looking like some free money right now. If you want to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply void in Ohio. See show notes
0: for details. Now back to the episode. And I'm not going to blame this one goal on the reason why the ads lost at all. Um, Honestly, to me, it was a backbreaker, even though it was a backbreaker, but the rest of the game, it's not like you look back and you're like that one goal decided the game. Yeah. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I don't, think new hooks really deserve to be bumped down to the fourth line i really don't i think the way he's been playing is I li- been good I've, yeah i've
1: liked how new hook has looked over the last couple of games like yeah he's not on the the goal scoring tear that he was maybe in january but he's still playing fine yeah and i just i, I agree with you i don't like putting eller in that role and giving new hook less minutes i just don't think that makes a lot of sense especially when you had a really consistent line that was working pretty much every game with Cagliano, Newhook, and Logan O'Connor. They gelled really well together, and they have gelled for well over a month. And I just – not going to question Jared Bednar, but I I just don't agree with breaking that up. Uh, that I don't agree with of- it.
0: And you, if you look at Alex Newhook's career with the Avs so far, this was the most consistent line mates he's had in his entire career so far. And we were seeing production from him because of that. So I I get it you traded for Lars Eller, but man, I, I hated breaking up that line, um, and we'll have to see. Like you said, it's way too early to decide on Lars Eller right now, um, but I think we're putting him in kind of an unfair situation to have him go onto a line that's playing significant minutes. The absurd line plays a lot of minutes, um, and to have him it, jump into that, I don't know if that's necessarily a fair shake for him.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's what I said. You need to put him in the right role. And Lars Eller, at this point in his career, the style he plays is a guy that does need to be sheltered a bit and should not be put in incredibly meaningful minutes. I think if you put him on a fourth line in a purely defensive role with the focus on the penalty kill, like I've said, I think it'll work out fine. But I really don't think you should be bumping down a guy like Newhook, who I have not had a problem with. I think he's been fine. And even in this game against Dallas where the team looked terrible, he had two
0: points. Yeah. He's looked good. Um, another player who, who didn't have a great game, but did get a goal and was bumped down to the fourth line as a result, Evan Rodriguez. I am um, not going to like freak out about Evan Rodriguez. I think he's just kind of going through a slump right now. Uh, I thought maybe that goal late in this game would get him going. Uh, but, he again in Seattle, he really didn't do anything against Seattle. Um, so you start to wonder is this a repetitive thing for Evan Rodriguez? Excuse me, because he faded a little bit in Pittsburgh last year, started off great and then faded. Are we going into that same situation with him? Or what do you think is going on with him so far?
1: Well, even with Evan Rodriguez in Pittsburgh last season, even when his ridiculous goal scoring faded, he was still plenty effective in play. And that was one of the reasons that the abs went out and got him is that he does a lot of things really well, but this game against Seattle, he played less than 10 minutes. He, yeah. This was I, I don't remember that Vancouver game on November 23rd. I don't remember if he got hurt in that game because he played less than five. So I think he probably ended, I don't I'm I think wrong. that
0: was that game he got can opened. And yeah. Like he put no, his lower no, body.
1: Yep, 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 that was the one. So yeah, if you exclude that, this is by far the least he's played all season. And back-to-back, nine minutes against Seattle, under 12 and a half against Dallas in this game. The difference this time is outside of the goal scoring that hasn't been there, except for late in Dallas, he hasn't been effective and hasn't looked that dangerous outside of the, a rare game here and there where he's putting some good shots on goal. I mean, it's just, I don't really blame Bednar for this one. It's he just hasn't done well enough.
0: No, he has not done well enough. And then you get a result of that. Dennis Malgan gets bumped up to the first line because of ever, Rodriguez not playing well. And Malgan, like we've talked about, he's, he's good when he's going against fourth liners. I don't know if he has that first line skill yet. Uh, There was a point in the game against Dallas, He just gave the puck away to, I forget who it was. And it resulted in a goal for the stars. Like he just straight up panicked and gave that puck away. Um, and it's been a thing we talked about with the abs and it, if there is one thing that I think could kill this abs team, it is not being able to clear their fucking zone, man. Like this Dallas game, they got four checked to the death and they could not clear the puck.
1: Yeah, it's been a problem with this team, even going back to last season, the inability to clear the zone. But they were just so unbelievable last year that they could get away with almost anything. But we saw in this game and against Seattle, the the turnovers, the inability to get the puck out of the zone, this stuff is going to haunt you. And you've got to figure out a way to solve these things. Because especially on, on the Malgan play that you mentioned, just he's out of his skill level at that point. And Dallas got a lot of goals in this game and a lot of success pressuring the AVs in the offensive zone and forcing them to just try to clear that puck off the boards and just have someone standing there and keep the puck in and they keep the pressure on. And eventually it ends up in the back
0: of the net. Just It was, it was bad. I, I, I think the thing that concerns me about the abs is like, I don't recall too much in the playoffs last year where they got pinned in their own zone. Like, do you recall it that much? Like where they were turning the puck over a bunch in the playoffs? Maybe that's a thing that they just figure out in the playoffs. But it felt like just
1: like late in games when they were defending a lead. Like I remember against St. Louis, I would be standing next to you, like ready to rip my what little I have left of my hair out. <laughs> and when they couldn't clear the puck out with the the net empty, but not in the regular season, not this much, where like it's the middle of the second period and they just cannot get out of their own zone and this the pressure's on and it's shot after shot and when you have a game like this from Georgiev where he's just he's not on it tonight and he's not getting any help that's how you get seven goals put up on you
0: back-to-back games with seven goals allowed that's pretty impressive even for the abs
1: 14 goals in two games is not pretty no matter how you slice it
0: Yeah, not not pretty. We did get to see Keith Kincaid for the first time. I always love it when a goaltender who gets traded from another team comes in and their pads just look like the most ridiculous thing of all time. Like these guys are professionals. How do they not get like brand new pads in like a day?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, like we saw Keith Kincaid. Oh boy, did we see him? He stuck out like a sore thumb out there. And I thought he was fine. Oh, he was I didn't I didn't have a big problem with Kincaid he didn't face a lot he only ended up facing nine shots in the game he saves eight of them and was able to give Georgiev enough of a night off to give the Avs a chance against the Kraken which Georgiev played great in that game and they he almost stole him two points but the Avs give that one late oh they gave that one away late too it's just been a mess for this team though yeah this back-to-back
0: But like with Keith Kincaid, I think we can both agree. I I haven't asked you this, but like he is better than what JoJo and Anonym would bring if we get worst-case scenario.
1: Kincaid is at least NHL backup quality in a pinch. When Frankie's back, he's not going to play. But he's been around. He knows the drill. He knows what to do. He knows what his role is. Well, I guess he doesn't know what his role is because they haven't told him. I don't think they've even really talked to him much since they've traded him, like he said, after the game but he's a professional. He's been around for a while. He's been on plenty of teams. He knows what to do. He can stop pucks occasionally. Doesn't have to be the best at it. He's the third goalie on the team.
0: He is the third goalie on the team. So we'll we'll have to wait and see what goes on with that. I totally thought you were going to go like a little bit farther I, there I with did that t- last sentence.
1: No, I did I was going to, but for some reason my mind just like fizzled. Then no. it was like I got I was where am i going with this yeah
0: no you're good i was waiting for you to keep going then you were just looking at me i was like oh fuck yeah, now I, was, I gotta come up no with i was
1: like christian saved me i totally, <laughs> i totally just lost my, my train of thought is still boarding at the station and i need a. <laughs>
0: uh, oh it's great but i mean any other thoughts about this dallas game other than thankfully it hit triple zeros and we can move on with our day
1: yeah, I mean, thankfully after 40 minutes I had to go freaking work. I can tell this story of the absolute disaster my day was yesterday with this power outage at UMBC and this whole surrounding area is I thought I was going to miss the first portion of this game and be able to to watch like the last half. Exact opposite happened because it's like a little windy here and somehow a bunch of branches ended up on the power lines and knocked out the power to the entire surrounding area. So we had to push our playoff game back like six hours. So that was an entire mess. But thankfully that meant that I got to miss the third period of this game where Dallas makes it six to one Cogliano hits double digits and Evan Rodriguez gets off the Schneid. I think about like new hook and that game he had against the Islanders. I think it was late October where yep. he didn't even like have a point on the season, gets a meaningless goal in a blown game of the Islanders and kind of kickstarts him the rest of the way. I was hoping to see that with Erod. Maybe it still will. Good to see him just get back on the board. And Cogliano, nice, nice to see him hit ten. You know, yeah, that's pretty cool. Good veteran guy. He deserves it. Robertson, empty net seven three. Looks like your average Broncos game this season. It's just so we should be used to it at this point. But just an absolute fucking dud at a horrible time a really really important game that dallas knew was an important game and crushed you they this was embarrassing like just to put it as simple as it is this was an embarrassing loss on abc on the road in dallas and now that mountain looks a little tougher to climb the rest of the way
0: oh yeah it i we're gonna have to see a march where the abs go like another 14 two and two do I think even have a chance um my big thing now is you got to stay in third in the central like if you can get two or three in the central I'd be happy with that I
1: I'm not even happy with three at this point I mean Minnesota is there they've won four in a row they're eight one and one in their last ten it's getting tough to keep pace with yeah. how well they've been playing recently and I think we might have missed the boat on Dallas they've won three in a row and are on a nice little point streak even if they're four three and three in their last ten. All those overtime losses are keeping them afloat. And Keeps them oh, afloat, man. Even, it's like I said, the Yavs have the easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way, but Dallas has the 27th hardest schedule. They're not that far behind us either. They have one game against Vegas. They have, I don't, have they played the Kraken? They have three games against the Kraken left. One game against us and one game against the Oilers, and they don't even have another team that qualifies for hard the rest of the way. We have one against Toronto one against Dallas, two against L.A., one against Minnesota, one against Edmonton, one against Winnipeg, and I think ours is very skewed by three against the Sharks, two against the Ducks, and three against the Coyotes, which gives us right now the easiest strength of schedule. If you want to win the Central and likely the West, you need to dominate the rest of the way.
0: You need to win probably... 10 or 11 of those games against those teams you just mentioned.
1: You probably you need, you need to win against if these games against Chicago, San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona, Montreal, and Detroit. I'm going to very quickly do math. This is a bad idea. 11 games. You need to win at least 10. Yeah. You get one. If you lose any more than one against these bad teams, you're not going to win. You've already blown enough earlier in the season and you don't have that leeway now. And now, This is your only chance.
0: Well, here's the good news that we're getting all these teams now is a lot of these teams traded off all their players that were performing well. Like the Coyotes went from a spunky fun team to like they're a corpse, man. They're on another point streak. I know. I don't know why or how they're doing this,
1: but they just keep getting points for some reason. I'm not going to pretend I understand, but. They're doing pretty decent the last little while, and they're kind of taking themselves not out of the Bedard conversation, but right now they have the fifth overall pick.
0: Yeah, like it's not great, but the Ducks are a corpse of what they were. The Red Wings did kind of sell, but I don't think they really sold any like other than Tyler Bertuzzi. They didn't really yeah. sell on Hironic. Um They they they're still competitive. I mean, the Sharks literally have. Eric Carlson, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So I really agree with you. If they can win, if they have to win 10 or 11 of those games, because then that you're looking, that's 22 points. And then that puts you at what? 96 points. Yeah. And you've got some tough games
1: the rest of the way, but in terms of like playoff feel games for the 21, you have left four of them are like real. Like this is a playoff preview Mm -hmm. game, Dallas, Minnesota, Edmonton, Winnipeg. That's it. Toronto will be a fun game. You have two against LA. I doubt we're going to see them in the playoffs, but it's a playoff team in the West still counts for something, but you have to absolutely cream these teams at the bottom of the standings where like a team like the sharks, like I said, they're finally a team. The abs are playing are on the second half of a back-to-back yeah. and we will be rested. The abs need to pummel them into the dirt. That game needs to not be close. They should be pissed after these games. They got embarrassed by Dallas and blew another one to Seattle. This needs to be not just like a squeak by three, two regulation win, or You get one in a shootout. You need to run these losers out of the building.
0: I hope they do. I would be, I just don't know, man, just how they played against the shitty teams in the league. I just don't know how they'll do, Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Let's, let's quickly talk about the Seattle game. Um, this game was, if you just look at the box score, you're thinking, oh, this was a hard fought game. The, the Avs really got bailed out by Alexander Georgiev in this game. Um, if it wasn't for Georgiev bouncing back after that rough performance in Dallas, this game could have gotten out of hand because the Avs were once again, treating the puck in their own zone, like a grenade. Uh, they couldn't get the puck out. Seattle's four check was outstanding. Um, and the Avs took a bunch of stupid fucking penalties, man. Like they, it looked like for the first time they had lost their composure in a game.
1: Yeah, actually that does remind me one of the good things against Dallas was the penalty kill. The penalty kill for some reason looked fantastic. Bowen Byram looked really good on the penalty kill. Yep. And again, in this game, penalty kill comes through again, five for five on the penalty kill. Do, do we want to just talk about the elephant in the room on these power plays? with Miko Rantanen, just get that out of the way right now. Do we want to have that conversation?
0: Yeah. I mean, he is, we've kind of hinted at it. Miko this year has been very vocal in his uh, displeasurement. I don't even know if that's a word with the referees. You were close. Um, I think Miko Rantanen doesn't get the calls that a superstar in the NHL should get. Uh, but he needs to learn how to channel those emotions. This is really the first time in his career where you've seen his emotions get the best of him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rantanen has built up a reputation this season for himself as a complainer to the referees. And I've said this multiple times, these guys talk to each other and they know. And when Miko Rantanen doesn't like a call that goes against him or doesn't get called against him, he's up in the ref's face and they're sick of it. And they're the ones that make the calls at the end of the day. Yes. Do they need thicker skin? Absolutely. These are ridiculous calls to be making against a guy who is justifiably upset at getting hacked and slashed every single game and then getting called for a stupid hook. But at the end of the day, he needs to get himself under control. And he's he's not going to get a break on any of these. They're looking for this from him because they all watch each other's games. They all talk to each other. And they've been talking about how Miko Ranson has been giving them shit all season for everything that goes against him. Is he right? It doesn't matter. They, they're the ones that make the calls. They're not the ones that are going to change. He needs to rein it in. It's as simple as that. Is he right? Maybe it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I, I'm going to be honest at the end of the second period, uh, I totally tuned out. I knew that we had taken a penalty on Jack Johnson and I was like, "Oh, cool." And then we come at the intermission and the Abs are on a kill a 5 on 3 and I'm like, "What the fuck happened? What did I miss? I'm literally watching the game." Um but yeah, I I agree with Miko in the aspect of he's one of the top 10 players in this league. He should be treated like one of them. But also at the same time, there's a reason like like Sidney Crosby, I look as like the biggest complainer out of all of them. Um, but I feel like he didn't get as many misconducts as or likes as Miko Ranston has gotten.
1: Well, Crosby's only been ejected for the first time this season in the, yeah. the game against the Kings where they had the, the Dustin Brown ceremony. That was the only time he's ever been ejected. But th- th- how many times has this happened with Miko now where he gets the extra call because he can't rein it in? Is this the fourth time? that this has happened recently, Yeah, it's a thing. It's a completely a reputation thing. It's unfair and it's bullshit, but it's reality. That's what refs do. And he, even if he doesn't like a call, they don't give a shit. They're not going to change it. And they're only going to mark that down and be like, if you open your goddamn mouth to me one more time, I'm throwing you in the box. And that's exactly what happened here. And luckily the abs penalty kill was up to the task and killed it off. But this could have been a very different conversation of a game if the Avs on a two-minute five-on-three where Jack Johnson just got put in the box for tripping at the end of the period, now it's a full five-on-three out of the intermission, not just a full two minutes, right out of intermission. They've got a full 18 minutes to plan this thing out. That can't happen. And it's fair to call something like that selfish. And people have complained about Ranston not being invested at times. This is a time where he's too into it. And I think a spot where more than anything, this team needs Gabe back. And to have that leadership back in the room and someone to, to put an arm around Miko and say, hey, buddy, rein it in. We've got this. Because the way Gabe handled it last year, remember with Nazem Kadri and everything? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he went on the mic after the game and stood up for his guy after the game. He did not get a penalty for it after the game. If that's the way you're supposed to be handling these things. And I think that's where the lack of the captain on this team has come into effect. And I think it's going to stop because he would have been benched if he did not respond positively to it from Bednar. That's the the quote Bednar gave post game is that Ranton took well to it. And that's why he wasn't benched. I thought that wording was interesting that he would have been benched if that wasn't the case. So hopefully this is the last we see of it. I agree with Miko. He is getting on all of these but it doesn't matter That that's not going to change anything he's especially in the playoffs when they're looking for things like this you gotta tone it down
0: yeah it's weird because <laughs> it's funny how a year changes everything because at this point last year we're like is miko rancin just like even trying in these games and now we're like dude you're trying too hard and you care too much so we just need to find that balance from miko Ranton. um and I really, I agree with the part that where you're missing Landeskog is Landeskog would have handled that in such a more calmer fashion with the referee and been probably more like, like we saw it in like the behind the cup and he's like talking to the refs. He's just very stoic. And like, there's a reason why he's the captain. Do I think Miko Rantan is a great leader for this team? Yes. But. There's something to be said of what Gabe Landeskog brings and that if you have your captain that can go out there and has that reputation with the refs of like, hey, like I can talk to you guys like this. I don't think Mika Rantanen's built that relationship with the officials yet. If anything, it's been a negative relationship. He
1: built a relationship, all right. (laughs) And it's not good. They're getting really sick of his shit and he's sick of their shit. It's very mutual, sick of each other's shit. But at the end of the day, the refs aren't the ones that have to change. They're not the ones that have to answer for their actions. Refs get away with everything. We have known this since the dawn of time. It's a constant as much as taxes and death that refs do not have to answer for their actions. You do. When you start giving shit to the refs, you have to answer for it. And I get it. He's upset. Be upset on the bench. Go break your stick in half on the bench. Don't, like make stick gestures at the refs and like borderline threaten them. Like that's not going to do anything. If anything is the exact opposite of helpful. The only thing that is ever going to do is put you in the box. And I get it. Every once in a while, emotions are going to flood. It happens to every player at least once. That's fine. I'm not saying never have emotion. Just saying, got to keep it in check because this has been a problem for well over a month.
0: I think hopefully Bednar will kind of reel him in and even the threat of being benched is maybe a, maybe a thing, but look at what the lightning caused. Now we're talking about star players get benched all the time. Now after this lightning bench, Kucherov point and Stamkos. So he benched all three of them, yeah. like, Cooper does not care. No, I respect the hell out of it. I, I hate that. I like that guy.
1: Right. Like I- he's such a good coach for a team to have and so annoying to play against. Yes. Because in that final, I hated that man's guts. Oh, I hated you his guts. You are such an annoying little man. But now that we're not playing against him, like...
0: He's a damn good coach.
1: A damn good coach. <laughs> that's how I feel
0: about Mike Sullivan, to too. Like, Mike yeah. Sullivan, damn good coach. Yeah.
1: So. And that's how other people think about Bednar, as much as, for, for some reason, a small majority of ABS fans see everything that goes wrong with this team and go, Jared, Jared Bednar, you should be fired most recent Stanley Cup winning coach and third longest tenured coach in the NHL. You should be fired and replaced with, oh, I didn't actually think this out too much.
0: Not Barry Trotz anymore. We can't say that. Yeah.
1: like <laughs> I was having this talk on a caps chirp the other day when I was talking about the Capitals. Who's even on the coaching market right now? Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux, who is now on NHL network and I don't think is in any hurry for a coaching job anytime no. soon. Like again, I am talking to a very, very small portion of apps fans right now. But if you really want Jared Bednar fired, who's coming in? Babcock? You want that? You want Mike Babcock? No. No. Miko would have been
0: benched for three straight games if this happened. Yes. AFS- Babcock was you the- have Mike Babcock on this team. We're not in the playoff picture at all. Yeah. Because he he's making Landeskog play already. <laughs> so yeah, it's Miko will figure it out. But it's very frustrating in the moment right now. Yes. Um, and I just got to say, I've been a hockey player this entire fucking podcast. I've been battling the hiccups the entire episode. So um, just I'll take my purple. Not, I I don't know what I'll take. Uh, I'll take my act of service award. I almost said purple heart, but that's not ingenuous of what I'm battling through right now. Maybe not so, that much. But yeah, yeah, but I am battling through hiccups this entire episode. Um So let's uh, let's talk about this game against the Kraken. I know you didn't get to watch like the first period because you were working. Uh, You didn't miss much in the first period because for the first 10 minutes of this game, the abs looked like not the greatest team. It was Nathan McKinnon had one shot and the abs were up one, nothing. And you're like, okay, maybe, maybe we can get the ball rolling, but dude, I, the Kraken, I did not expect this team to be as good defensively as they are because they do not have a superstar defenseman, but this team has bought into the defensive identity of what their coach is preaching and they are a damn good defensive hockey team. If their goaltending wasn't so shit, I think they'd be first in the Pacific right now. Oh, my God, yeah.
1: If any Pacific team had, like, any of their weaknesses addressed, like, yeah, they would definitely be. And the Kraken, most of all, they don't have a goalie above 900. Like, you have Jared McCann at 30 goals right now. Their goal scoring is very consistent up and down their lineup. Like, Brandon Tanev scored his 13th goal goal of the season tonight. They just have, like, such a really good structure. And I hated the Hackstall hiring for them when they announced it. And I thought in the first year he did a pretty bad job. He's been phenomenal this year. You've got to give credit where it's due. Like we're all we're all talking about Montgomery in Boston, probably getting coach of the year, which he probably will. But Hackstall has done a phenomenal job with the Kraken. And even though that the Avs both deserved and didn't deserve to win this game at the same time, the Kraken deserve credit for sticking with it and just kind of being a, a pesky team to deal with.
0: They're very pesky and they're very good on the fortune. They play such a simple game and Rycroft was talking about it on the, on the broadcast. It's like, they just dump and chase and then they just cycle the puck. So well, like old school hockey fans, like I'm sure John Tortorella looks at the Kraken and goes, that's my type of team. They block shots. They dump the puck in, they chase and they cycle and then they score when they have a chance. So I I to get Fred to the Kraken. I I thought they were going to kind of fade away. Nope. I think they they have a chance to win a playoff series this year. I yeah. really do. Um but what they did the Avs in pretty much 3 games that they played this year, they slowed down the Avs and kind of kept them off the scoreboard pretty well. Uh so that's why I first want to say about the Kraken. They all the flowers go to them in this game. Uh because if it wasn't for Alexander Georgiev in this game, the Avs would have lost another game 6 to 1. Five to two. Yeah,
1: the Kraken played really well in this game. You have to give them a lot of credit. And like you said, Georgiev held them in this one and it just got away from them right at the very end. It's just the thing that dominates this game is that turnover by Nathan McKinnon behind the net and immediately ends up in the back of the net for the Tanev goal. Schwartz strips the puck. It's, it's a bad play by Nathan McKinnon. It's Just there's no, there's no way to be cute about it. Bad play. The Stars in this game did not play well. And without that one mistake, the Avs win this game. And they get two points out of it. Instead, it's a tie game, goes to overtime, and the Avs never touch the puck.
0: Yeah, that's back-to-back overtime games with the Kraken that I don't think the Avs touch the puck for more than 20 seconds in those 10 minutes combined. (laughs) Because if you go back to that game where they faced in Seattle, they legit, I think the Kraken had the puck for like four minutes and 45 seconds of that overtime.
1: Yeah. It just felt like they'd never give the puck up again. It's a credit to their system. They're so good at moving the puck. It almost feels like playing like nh, NH the NHL games kind of passes where it's just automatic. It just goes right to the guy. Laser, 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 laser. They're so good at moving the puck. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, they it's it's ruined three on three overtime in the aspect that they just fucking <laughs> it's when they don't yeah. find something they like they just circle back around and They've circle back the around.
1: They've it's, solved the puzzle of three on three is just, you can't lose if they never have the puck.
0: Right. And yeah. then you take your chances in the shootout. Yeah.
1: Like even if you don't score again, like it was the first time we played them where we did win in the shootout, you take your chances in the shootout, which is why I don't think the shootout should exist. Yeah. But in this game, it works out for them. But to, to get beaten on that stretch pass at the very end in three-on-three three is pretty brutal.
0: Well, it was just rough because JT Comfort and Devon Taves were on the ice for like two minutes. And they were defending that entire time. And then the second they get down there to go make a change, I don't know why both of them went. Um, I think that was just a poor line change. I think only one of them should have gone. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like, it, it was that was the third or fourth breakaway Georgia faced, and that was the one that beat him. Yeah. And again, so,
1: perfect shot, like off yeah. the bar and into the back of the net. There's really not much he can do on that. Like really any of these goals that went in. Like I felt bad because he got torched against Dallas. Wasn't all his fault, but he didn't have a great game. Comes back the next night with a damn solid performance and they can't finish the job for him.
0: No, it was like the opposite of the Minnesota game. Like Georgiev could have easily stole the abs two points, but he can only do so much. He can only do so much. And that turnover by Nathan McKinnon, man, that was like the first one we've had, like, like, I hate to sound like a, an old head, but I feel like the to try and get so fancy sometimes on their exits, instead of just lofting the puck out, they just, they try and do like these crazy exits. And it's like, just be simple. Get the puck out of the fucking zone. Like every play doesn't need to be a breakout play where you go get a scoring chance right away. It just doesn't need to be. Um, so it's I pretty much knew once have scored the titles like there's no shot we win there this over time. Yeah. <laughs> there's no. a zero percent chance.
1: No, like they, they, they never had the legs all night. If they weren't defending that lead, they weren't going to win the game. Maybe they would have got an empty net if that one doesn't go in the other way. But this it's like the same thing. You knew that it just was not in the cards after that goal. It deflated them. The whole building was quiet and they never even touched the puck in overtime and again credit to seattle they played a solid game and got rewarded for it but especially in a season where we have seen games like this from the abs where it just gets away from them late and they leave a very valuable point sometimes even two on the table it just makes it all the more frustrating especially 24 hours removed from the dallas game where they just played like garbage to not get two points out of this one when you have a late lead stings. And thankfully you got the point that pushes you in the third in the central right now. Cause they were trailing Winnipeg coming into this game. But like I've said, that mountain with these last three games alone looks a lot tougher to climb. Cause now like you, I've said, Minnesota has won four in a row and they're eight, one, and one Dallas has won three in a row. And we are four points behind Minnesota with two games in hand and Minnesota has the tiebreaker right now. And so we need five points in order to be ahead of them. And Dallas
0: regulation wins. That's right. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've I've made, I've made that mistake too. Yeah, yeah. I did that a couple episodes ago.
0: I about to say we haven't lost to them yet this year. How do they have the tiebreaker?
1: Yeah. But, and Dallas, we are seven points back right now and have two games in hand. That advantage is gone. We need Dallas to start losing again. We no longer control our own fate because that loss to Dallas meant a lot.
0: Yeah, Meant a lot, but I still think that this team is going to figure it out. Um, We were talking about this back, I think it was in December, where it's like it's going to be a total flip of how the end of the season was last year, where it was like everything was a cakewalk going in. It's going to be a fight. Like We are not going to know our position, I think, until the last week. And maybe the last week may not even be like fully I, in there. I think so, those final
1: two games are probably going to determine where we are. We're going right. to be playing Winnipeg and then Nashville back to back, that Winnipeg game, unless Winnipeg probably like comfortably stays in that wild card spot. But I imagine between us, Minnesota and Dallas, I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference between all of us. And those two games might end up determining whether we finish maybe even third and start the playoffs on the road or play a wild card team at home in the first round.
0: It could go either way. Um, but oh God! See, I told you hiccups were here. Uh, the thing that I am gonna take away from this cracking game is what Bednar said. The team looked fried, which they did. Uh, the star players stunk. Uh, we, we've gone this whole episode with Richmond. Kale McCarr is back. Uh, <laughs> Kale McCarr is back. So. I felt
1: I felt bad for Kale because he he even said after the game, oh, maybe it's me because every time I come back, we start losing.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's he just needs to shake off the rust a bit. And we saw it a little bit in this cracking game. That pass he made to Malgan uh, to give the Abs a two-one lead, was beautiful. Vintage Kale McCarr. He just needs to shake the rust off. He'll be back. Um, and he hit the crossbar tonight. Like he could have easily scored. So more games he gets under his belt, the better he's going to get again. And I really just need to see the star players step up. And that's why I'm hoping as we pivot to this game on Tuesday. Against the Sharks, we've talked a lot about it. For the first time that me and you think all year, the Avs have faced a team that's playing on the second half of a back-to-back. This is, I hate to say a game against the Sharks is a must-win, but this is a must-win game.
1: It's a must-win for a different reason. You're not trying to chase them, but if you lose this game, that's a big problem. Oh,
0: you thought tonight was toxic on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Oh, If we lose to the
0: Sharks.
1: (laughs) I mean, people don't need much of an excuse to start getting toxic on Twitter. We've seen after wins that people aren't even happy. Right. God forbid you ever lose a game. And God forbid you lose this game against the Sharks. You have zero excuses. I don't give a shit about injuries. That team sucks. They are on the second half of a back-to-back in your building. And you should be pissed. And you should run them out of the building. You should have like a game where McKinnon's getting a hat trick and McCarr gets five points. This is the get right game of get right games. These are two points that simply have no excuse to not be in your back pocket.
0: Well, we've seen the abs in the get right games so far this year. I think it was the Ottawa game after the Chicago game uh, where we lost in Chicago. I think Ottawa, we came back and we beat them seven, nothing. Yes. We need that type of effort. We need that type of game out of the Avs. So I think they do it. Um, I don't know who's going to be starting a net for the Sharks. Is Reimer still even playing and Kakinen Is that his name? Seems like it. Yeah. So the Avs should win this game comfortably. They should. And you need to have a get-right game. And then you get ready for L.A. on Thursday. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, But I'm going to go – I can't say seven, you know, screw. I am going to say, I, I think they win the game seven, nothing, seven, one.
1: I I certainly hope they do. I don't, I don't even know if I have a score prediction for this game other than I don't care, beat the shit out of them. Like yeah. this, this is a game that, I, why would you take this lightly right now where the way you've played against bad teams so far in the past, this season, crush them. This is the time of year where you need to be figuring stuff like this out. And I, I want to just see a game where they're just clicking on against a bad team and just put up seven and just embarrass a team and show that like you don't even belong in the same league as us.
0: Yeah. I think they will. I really do. Uh, I I think I'm getting big flashbacks of uh the Columbus back to back last year, where they lost both those games and then the Canucks came in that next day or that next game. I'm getting big vibes from that game for this game.
1: I certainly I certainly hope that's gonna be the case. But again no reason to not absolutely run this team out of the building
0: i think they will i think we're gonna write the ship i think we're gonna beat the kings and then you end the week with arizona on that saturday i i feel good about it i'm feeling good so i think this is a week it, i would just die of laughter if by this time next sunday we're talking about the Avs are on a three game win streak like, would that shock you in the least?
1: No, they're playing San Jose, LA, and Arizona. I, in my opinion, you should be on a three game win streak. LA, we'll see about that one. That could be a sneaky tough one. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun game. LA is a decent team, but it's not really a game you can really be affording to, to lose right. right now. You've got to be taking care of business right now. So I'd argue, yeah, you should be on a three game win streak coming up. And Again, even just going back to the deadline, I don't think there was really much that they they could have done just to wrap up that conversation from earlier. I don't I'm not I'm disappointed, but again, I'm not too bothered by it that much. And again, all the big moves were already made. And just to finish, like, did you see anything that the West did that makes you go, shit, we should have responded to that?
0: I don't know, man. The Coyotes have been stockpiling. They got Shea Weber, Pavel Datsuk, fucking. You got Borachek, like, this deadline. Yeah, or... like that, that Arizona team's kind of scary. Um, but God, no. God forbid there's ever an alumni game. Yeah, they're going to crush everyone. Um, no, I, the West, I mean, the biggest trade was Max Domi and then yeah. Corpus Allo going to the Kings. Like that was pretty much it. So, yeah, I. Nothing in the West really scares me. I think there was an opportunity for the abs to do something like they had a chance, but I don't think there was anything that materialized. So you just go forward with it. And this is the team you got. And I still think this team's capable of making it to the Stanley cup.
1: Yep. I I'll put it like this. Nothing that the West did makes me think this team isn't going to the Stanley cup final. It's the things that the abs have done in games. That makes me think that they wouldn't go to the Stanley cup final. I don't think that like Dallas, like, yeah, good team could end up going to the Stanley Cup final. If the abs don't beat them in the playoffs, that's their fault. They are good enough to beat them. The Oilers after last year and after how we have played them this year, if we're not beating them in a playoff series, that's your fault. Yeah. Minnesota, like maybe I don't, they've been playing well recently. You're not beating that de- like depleted team in the playoffs. That's your fault. Yeah.
0: So I still have faith in this team. I really do. These were a tough couple games, but it's a long season. We're getting close to the end of it, which is crazy to think about. We're in the final stretch now. 21 games, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, But I do think the Avs will rally this, this, and they'll be fine. So I'm going to take a deep breath, beat the shit out of the Sharks on Tuesday, beat the Kings on Thursday, and then beat the Coyotes on Friday or Saturday, and we'll both be happy campers next Sunday.
1: Yeah. I've also, I also like the conversation about like, well, the East is really loaded up. That is a problem four rounds. Deep. Way later problem. Like, problem. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, maybe you get to the final and you play Boston and they, they added Orlov and Bertuzzi and Hathaway. And, you know, maybe a question, should we have added more? What move were you making that makes you that where you're all of a sudden not the significant underdog in a playoff series right. like that? Like, I still, again, if they go to the final and more likely than not play Boston, the Avs have a shot more than any other West team, especially if they get healthy and Gabe comes back and really makes a difference on this team. They have a shot. It's also the Bruins are 49-8-5 and five right now and have won 10 in a row. They only lost their game coming out of the All-Star break on a fluke to the Caps. And, okay, like, let's say you get, I don't know, Domi, does that changing things against Boston?
0: No, no it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. So, um, I mean, Dimitri Orlov has all of a sudden turned into like a top-flight defenseman. With Who the, the hell is this guy <laughs> yeah.
1: in Boston all of a sudden where he's turning into prime Bobby Orr and scoring every single night? I've never had a problem with Orlov in Washington, but where the hell has this guy been <laughs> all my life?
0: He's so, so good there. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's funny, but Boston is going to be – so mediocre after this year, it's insane, honestly. Like, we've been talking,
1: like, oh, the east is gonna be so entertaining. I don't know if it is. Boston might just run this table, honestly. With Tampa looking okay, Toronto's been okay after the Car- deadline. Carolina's our but- only hope. Carolina, even then, like, Freddie going up against that Boston team does not inspire confidence. The devils are young. The Rangers. I talked to a lot of Rangers fans that they they just don't believe it. Honestly, no. like, they're not one of the guys that sees Patrick Kane and goes, "Oh, so we won already." They're like, he does not solve a lot of issues that no. this team has. So, I mean, anything can happen. But Boston's really good. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think every. I think everything else will be interesting. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's Boston has a, an abs run last mm-hmm. year where they lose like two games heading into the final.
0: I don't know. I don't know, man. I still think that that there's a chance. Like I I like the Leafs' chances against Boston.
1: I think the Leafs have the best chance of doing that only because of the emotional boost that would happen from beating Tampa. But I also think that it is hilarious that if the Leafs do beat Tampa, you know, and slay the first round demon where they're gonna celebrate like they just won the freaking cup. They have not just the Bruins, but potentially one of the best regular season teams of all time waiting on the other side for them. I think that is so hilariously cruel and funny because if the Leafs do win that series, they're probably winning the whole thing after slaying those two back. Oh, yeah. No, but you're saying the devils are going to beat them. No, like that's just not going to happen.
0: I don't know if this is a paper transaction or not, but the Avs reassigned uh, Keith Kincaid to the Eagles. Well, I guess Probably they- just a paper transaction, but... Answers the waivers question. Yeah, so we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, I agree. The East is going to be a bloodbath. I hope it's not Boston just because I want chaos, but it does certainly seem that Boston's going to be that team.
1: If we could beat any team in the final, I think I would want it to be Boston because I would really enjoy that beating oh I would enjoy the hell yeah. out of that but because if you because if I'm only basing it off of that criteria I would enjoy that the most because as much as I would enjoy beating Toronto them being in the final it wouldn't be the abs winning again it would be the Leafs lost and I yeah. would just be kind of annoying after a while kind of the same thing with the Rangers too Boston I feel like enough people hate them and would want to see them lose and the abs being defending champs that we'd get our due at least a little bit and plus beating boston is just so fun
0: if there's one thing the city of denver has over boston is that we are been a thorn in their side like we kind of own the city of boston
1: we've got a couple more things on boston than just one i would think you're comparing denver to boston maybe i'm a little biased but (laughs) i think i know i'd rather be spending an afternoon
0: yeah you'd be surprised how many people enjoy that east coast lifestyle not me Yeah. yeah well they can have their pride and be wrong. It's okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I don't think I have anything else, man. I know it's uh, it's almost two o'clock in uh, your time. So um, you know, I don't think well, I have anything else unless you got any other words of wisdom for us. You just get used to it at a certain point with these times. It's one forty
1: a.m. for me right now. I still got to edit this whole thing. It's not like this is new. I'm a night owl. This show has definitely not helped break my poor sleeping habits. But you know what? It's fine. We're perfectly good. fine. I'm not bothered by it at all. I'm trying to think of if anything significant happened at the deadline that we really didn't talk about all that much. Jonathan Quick now plays for the Knights and won his first game today against the Habs, and get, Stars got Domi, the Blues get Jacob Vrana. and really not much happened. The Penguins got Nick Bonino, the Jets got Vlad Namesnikov. Like, like I was saying, there wasn't really a West team that made like the move. That like changes the landscape. The closest you get is Ekholm, and I'm just not worried about that because the Avs destroyed him, I yes. guess, Nashville last season in the playoffs. He got absolutely torched against us. So I'm not sweating that one too much. And uh, the Wild got Sunquist and Klingberg. I saw that, and I was like, oh, thank God they got Klingberg. You put McKinnon against Klingberg in a seven-game playoff series, he might put up like 16 points.
0: Probably. Yeah. Very much so, probably.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean that's really all I got on the trade deadline. I think the abs are gonna be fine. It's just it's incredibly frustrating to see these performances after they played so well for three straight games, but I think they're gonna get it back. It's just it's just been a roller coaster this season. And again, losses are part of the sport. And if you're this negative after everything that goes wrong and just not having fun. I just, I just want to ask if this is for you, like sports in general. If you're just not enjoying it, because that's the entire point. This whole thing is to have fun and just enjoy life. It's a very, it should be a pretty stress-free, not waning on your mental health in a very literal sense kind of thing. And if if it is that for you, it doesn't have to be. You can stop at any time. So that's I've just seen a lot of like really pent up negativity after every single loss it's starting to wear on me and i don't like that just because sports should be fun so i'm gonna leave it at that and not get too far into it and i think we're ready to wrap this one up here as uh, the clocks tick ticks towards two o'clock for me here <laughs> i've still at some point have to edit this and post I me mean, it should be up in 17 minutes for me at least that's the time i try to get these up by so we're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in once again to another edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, Thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time talking about what should be an ass kicking for the abs against the San Jose Sharks, and I will not accept anything less. But until then, let's go abs.